0: Well, you are on Take a Trip with Myself, Andela M. And today we're very excited to celebrate your book. Now, I really want to get into that. You know, I want us to start off with just your journey as a writer because you're not new to this industry. No, I'm not. Could you please talk us through? I
1: worked the... as... Can you... Is our connection here?
0: Yes, I can hear you clearly.
1: Fantastic. I started working... Um, As as a journalist, in 2003, in December, I remember, I was a TV writer for a newspaper called This Day South Africa in Johannesburg. And from there, I went to Sunday Times, Drum, True Love, then finally City Press, where I worked between 2006 and 2008. And in 2008, I decided that I was going to leave the country to go to West Africa. Mm. And even throughout that time, I kept on working as a freelance writer for City Press and several other publications.
0: And then, you know, tell us about when you were in West Africa. What was that like? you know, any culture shock? You know, West Africa is really
1: the region of my childhood obsession. I'm so so fascinated <laughs> with West Africa. It's one of one of when I think about West Africa I still always get this excitement that I felt when I started reading a book from West Africa. Mm. I was young at the time, and I, I don't remember who wrote it, but it was called Without a Silver Spoon. And I really remember this guy, It you was know, a poor village boy moving in with a headmaster so that he could get an education while working at his house servant. Mm. And he was learning how to make jollof rice. And I kept on thinking, wow, what is jollof what rice? Is you <laughs> need to tell me that people cook rice differently. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to taste this jollof, you know? Mm. So. And from reading that book I just really wanted to keep reading African literature and that made me really want to focus a lot of what I consume to make it African. So African music, African books, mm. African fashion, African art, African culture, African everything really with me. And so throughout my teenage years I was just about African books, African music, African cultural figures. So I was Super, super obsessed with West Africa and to finally be there was just really a dream coming true. It felt like living in my fantasy. Amazing. I couldn't believe that, that I was experiencing the Hammerton, which is something I had re- read about a lot. Shopping at markets, haggling with market women, like I had read a lot, and learning the meaning of songs that I liked. You know what I mean? I was quite shocked when I finally discovered that Africa by Salif Keita, for instance which I've loved from childhood, Mm. there's a part where he sings about dishes from the region, you know? So it was, it really was amazing. It lived up to every expectation, every fantasy that I had. Mm. But there were some culture shocks. Mm -hmm. The biggest for me was about, I think it hit me two days. Two days after my arrival in Dakar, in West Africa, in a lot of places, people eat from a communal plate. You know, so it'd be a very big plate oh, and wow. ten hands digging in, three, four, you know, just many hands mm. in one plate. And at the time, I wasn't used to that, and I was not particularly interested. <laughs> in neither would in I <laughs> into a communal plate. <laughs> and, and, and it's really funny, because there be the moments when I think this is this moment is fantastic i am meeting new people mm. there's a lot of love and a lot of fellowship between us, and then a meal comes out, and now it has to be awkward because no i'm not I'm just not going to do that yes. I was finally <laughs> able to get over it, and that took me it took me six six and a half months oh my goodness. to finally be able to start eating from a communal plate and that was only because I had no option. I Mm. lived, when I lived in Timbuktu um, from arrival, I needed to find alternative accommodation because hotels are are quite expensive, you know? Mm. So I moved into, into a house with this lovely guy who's become my little brother, really, Abdul. And because I was at home with Abdul and his sister, it felt awkward for me to, to keep on wanting to not eat with everyone else. Mm. So I sort of forced myself to start eating it. And then by the time I left Mali, I lived in Mali for six months, mm. I loved eating from a communal plate and new eating alone. So it's so lonely that it took me a very <laughs> long time,
0: yeah. even
1: after I left West Africa, to to just eat by myself again.
0: Mm. Wow. I I mean... I- Just you saying that you're sharing a plate, it just took me back to how, you know, Obaba do it in the Eastern Cape when they come around a a plate of meat, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah, (laughs) now I can't do (laughs) it. Now, three months turned into five years of of living on the African continent. You know, was, was that difficult to do? Because, I mean, the first thing we'll think of, you know, well, the first thing I thought of was, what about a visa? Because you know you, you you were you staying legally. I mean, how how did how did you plan for that? It was it was all legal except in some cases. <laughs> I
1: had too much fun, and you know I really hate administration, <laughs> and I'm not a very organized traveler. So sometimes my visa would expire, and I would win it. And when that happens, you just have to apply for a new visa or you pay a fine. Sometimes you know you can negotiate. For a fee, for someone Negotiate. to know that I had expired. <laughs> you know, yes. And so what happened was I was supposed to be gone for three months to mm. just be in West Africa. The plan was to go to Senegal, Mali, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Togo, Benin, and Ivory Coast. Um, but in as I loved being in West Africa, I didn't feel connected with my soul, didn't feel connected. I'm a very emotional person. Mm. I need to feel, you know, yeah. and things, experiences need to move me for me, for them to resonate with me and for them to register as something that is very real to me. I have to feel mm. it to feel it and it has to move me. And so even though West Africa was fantastic, it felt very alien when I was connecting it to my soul. Because I was still, I was traveling using a, 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 a Lonely Planet travel guide, mm. you know, just to find out where to go where to where to go, how to navigate my way around. And and I didn't find that very helpful at all because I mean it's written by Westerners mm. or even where it's produced produced by local people. It's content primarily produced for westerners you know Mm, so it felt very foreign and very distant and cold and also i was traveling through the experiences of my south african friends who traveled so even though moments were great i would have moments where i think to myself oh this is fantastic it's it's exactly the way john said it would be it's exactly the way adam described it and Mm. even though that's not a bad thing i wanted it to be my experience you know i didn't want to feel that i was experiencing someone's life so um after Three months I was still in West Africa. After five months I was still in West Africa, and and I had a financial panic because I also always ran out of money, oh and I was tired, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I really don't feel like chasing these freelance checks for a while now. Perhaps I could go home mm-hmm. and just take it to the for a few weeks, and um and then get back on the road. But as I was making the decision, I was also conscious that I hadn't had my big moments, you know, mm. my soul was not involved in this. So I decided to start over and I was listening to my favorite album by Habib Quate, who's also my favorite musician, he's a Malian. And as I was listening to it, I just thought, well, where shall I start over? And I knew that he was going to perform at the Festival of the Desert mm. in January. So I decided to start over in Mali. And from that decision of starting over, everything started feeling like, my experiences started being what I wanted yes journeys to be and because then from that moment onwards they resonated so much, not just with my mind not just with my senses but with my soul as well, I wanted to stay on the road for as long as possible so mm. whenever the People ask me, when are you coming back or when are you stopping? I would say for as long as I feel this moment, for as long as I can stay on the road and just continue living as a vagabond, I'm going to be living on the road. And that lasted five five years. I still travel the continent extensively. I just don't live on the road
0: anymore. That is beautiful. I'm so inspired right now. Now, I really want to talk about vagabond um, because mm. that basically, you know, you sharing your story about traveling to 21 African countries. Now Mm. that alone is inspiring. And I know that you have a couple of highlights, uh, things that really, you know, stood out for you um, from the book.
1: Can Mm -hmm. you share
0: a little bit more about them? In particular, I'm very curious about the hyenas feeding hyenas.
1: (laughs) What? There's, There's a a place in in Ethiopia, a town called Hara. It's my favorite place in Ethiopia and probably one of my favorite places in the world. Now, Hara is the fourth holiest city in Islam, right? Mm -hmm. The the other holy ones are Mecca, the Medina, and Jerusalem. Then Hara is fourth. Now, if you know, um, the the other three, two two of them are in Saudi Arabia and Jerusalem is in Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, Saudi Arabia is a very conservative society, you know, and... Really, I think they, they follow Sharia law even. So I don't, I haven't been there, but I don't imagine that in Saudi Arabia, one can have a beer, you know, in fact, it's not allowed. So in Hara, though, it's the opposite. Hara has a brewery. They have a beer called Hara. The town lives on vibes, So it can it can be a, a, a very holy city with, I think, over 300 mosques even, you know, and it's so small. Oh, no, not over 300, like over 82 mosques. Mm-hmm in a very fit into a very small area. But even even with with the way it, it wears its religion and the way it celebrates its religion, it's very loose. You know, people drink whenever they want to drink. Um, and there's a there's a mild narcotic leaf called cut that's very, very popular in, in the Horn of Africa that mm. people chew. So after midday the town effectively comes to a standstill because so many people are just chewing khat. you know? Mm. And and So what really makes Hara stand out as well is that there's there's this belief that many, many, many years ago, there was a great famine. Mm -hmm. And because of it, the hyenas that live in the Ethiopian highlands came into the town and started eating people to make them stop. The, the, the chief or one of the town elders mm. went to the king of the hyenas and said to him, listen, Mr. Hyena, King Hyena, mm. you, you, you have to stop eating my people. And the hyena said, only if you make us a meal. So then they, they started feeding the hyenas porridge, and that evolved as time went by into feeding them scraps of meat. And every night now, um, around seven. Around seven, a few hyena men and boys go on the outskirts of the town, and they feed these hyenas. And you can feed them from your mouth to theirs. So I, oh took, my word, I took, I took a twig, and one part of one part, one end of it goes into my mouth, and the other end of it, um, the die wrapped, wrapped inter, t- t- intestines mm. and other scraps of meat, and and then the hyena takes takes his bite from that end, you know, and it's so true. I mean, you can you can feel his breath, you can oh, my smell word. his breath. And there just these three hyenas running around behind you. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I don't know, buddy. I'm really, really not sure. It's one thing to seek adventure. It's one thing to want to experience once in a lifetime moments. But hyenas. But you know what? If I didn't do that,
0: I would regret yes. not doing it. Yes. So I just had to follow it through. That's incredible. That is beautiful. I can almost imagine that moment. I think I'd be very scared. So you're, you're much braver than I am. Now, Loretto, um, you know, I, I really want to get a copy of this book. And I'm sure our listeners do too. How do we go about doing that? Mm. You can get
1: Vagabond. The full title is Vagabond, Wandering Through Africa on Faith. Mm -hmm. And you can get it at Book Lounge. Oh, here in Cape Town. Yes, you can get it at Book Lounge. You can also get it at Exclusive Books Mm -hmm. in Cape Town. I think um, other than the one at the waterfront, it's in the other other Exclusive Books, at all the malls, at the airport, Mm -hmm.
0: and at... Book lounge. I was in book lounge. I was at book lounge on Tuesday, there, so there's still some copies. Okay, fantastic. And now I really want to ask you this question because, um, you know, traveling for you know women of color or people of color, sometimes it's becoming a, it's it's mm. a thing now. This is what we do, and you know, some mindsets still haven't shifted. What would you say to someone who says, "No, I'd rather go to Europe instead of going to Africa"?
1: I, I really think that. People are missing out, you know, different strokes for different folks. Mm. I particularly choose to travel Africa as a black woman and as an African because even though I have been to other parts of the world, here I am at home. So there's always that extra magic and that specialness that you, you experience because wherever I arrive, people also think I'm a sister. Coming home, mm. so it always ends up feeling as if I'm going to my, back to my grandmother's house or my mother's house. So there's all that love, all the generosity. For instance, when I was in Sudan, mm. um, I went to visit a friend who's Sudanese, South Africa. He invited me over for tea at his house. Then the next day, I was traveling to a different part of the country. He gave me part passport. You know, that's amazing. And that is something that your mom would do. Yes. Yeah. So for me. To be an African traveling around Africa, particularly a black African, is really enriching. But then there's also this question, it's a very important one to have with ourselves as Africans. Why is it that you aspire to go to New York?
0: Mm, Why is
1: it that, why can't you aspire for both New York and Dakar? Mm. And I think when you examine that question, in that answer you will also realize that a lot of it has to do with... with, PR and marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, New York is marketed as a top destination. Of course, you want to go there. That's all you ever get to hear about. Mm -hmm. But Africa is not written enough about. We only ever consume Africa as news headlines of doom and gloom, right? And I think as individuals, there comes a time when you have to start creating your own truth and your own reality yes. and cannot only absorb what mainstream media says to you, because if you do that, you are only ever going to have experiences that other people say you must have. Mm. And they will be great. But you are also going to miss out on experiences that can only happen when you travel Africa. I have been to other parts of the world and they have been fantastic. Mm. But it is only in Africa that... A stranger says to me, "Well, you're not sleeping at the hotel. You're coming over to our house, oh, and you get there, and you're treated like a king and a queen. And people just wholly embrace you, and people make sure that you have the time of your life." Mm. And and someone said this to me. It was again. It was my second day in Senegal. Mm. A, a, a guy at the hotel who worked at the hotel said this to me. He said Levato, "When you travel here, don't be so worried about a lot of things, mm. you know, because ultimately." You will always be at home in Africa. Oh. Therefore you will always be taken care of. And that something that was said to me on day two of my adventure in Senegal has been consistent in eleven years of traveling around Africa, oh. no matter where I am, even in North Africa, even in Central Africa.
0: That is beautiful. You know, Lorato, you're gonna make me dent my budget because now I'm thinking I need to I need to focus more on traveling in Africa. And I'm just thinking of where I can go to <laughs> just, next.
1: Just, just pick a destination. Just one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited You're to read your book. It. I'm so excited to read your book. And you are inspiring. And, you know, you make me proud to be a South African woman. So thank you so much for speaking thank to us so today. Much. Thank you so much for Thank your you for time. our lovely
1: conversation. This was so much fun. And I'm so inspired. Is, mm-hmm. if, if there's anyone... Who's listening and thinking? How am I going to start traveling the continent? Or they want to to have more personal engagement with me? Please reach out to me on social media. Of course, I'm always always game for a conversation.
0: Would you like to share your um your socials with us so that we can? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I'm I'm Madame Africa. The Africa is written with a K, so Madame Africa mm-hmm. on Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook page is also called Madame Africa. And I mean, I live for talking about Africa, whatever question. If you have a budget and you want to know what you can do with it, you think your budget is too little, let me tell you. I know how to navigate everything about African travel and I'll be so, so happy to talk to you.
0: Oh, thank you so much for that. I'm definitely going to be in touch with you again. Thank you so much for your time, Loretto. Thank you too. Thank you.